This is News Talk. And we'll begin with uh, the papers this morning. Unfortunately, have a lot of sadness when it comes to deaths and killings in this country. It's rather depressing reading, beginning with the Irish Sun. Cops probe mum's death. This is the death of a woman, a 74-year-old woman in County Kerry, and cops are treating her death as suspicious after she was found in a pool of blood with head and face injuries yesterday. This is mother of four who's been named as Miriam Burns, who was discovered at her home in Killarney at around about quarter past. One. That's also on the front of the Irish Daily Mirror as well. Woman 75 dead in home for days. This is the belief among some officers that she may have laid there dead for days, Gardaí fear. Irish Independent also goes with that story on the front page and they've a, a photograph of a woman described as much loved Miriam Burns. Gardaí treat a suspicious death of mother of four. Then you go to the Irish Daily Star and this is someone else's death now and the funeral which has taken place of Robert O'Connor. The headline on the star, no revenge for son's murder in the joy. The father of Mountjoy prison murder victim Robert O'Connor has begged at his funeral that there be no revenge over the brutal killing behind bars. The Irish Daily Mail this morning and indeed a number of papers leading with on board Planola. The Mail, a report into potential conflicts of interest at on Planola has been referred to the Gardaí and also, as we know, the Director of Public Prosecutions. Uh, Housing Minister Dara O'Brien referring the as-yet unpublished report into planning decisions involving the Board's former Deputy Chair to the DPP, who will consider the case for criminal prosecution. So, obviously, we'll hear further calls for the report to be made public, but the Minister is quite clear on this. It's up now to the DPP and Gardaí. That's also the front of the Irish Times. The opera Operations of Ambor Planola are said to be overhauled after a barrister's report on the planning body's former deputy chair who was sent to the DPP and the Gardaí. And in an attempt to boost public confidence in the planning board, it will be required to submit monthly reports on corporate governance to Housing Minister Dara O'Brien. So it seems like there's a bit of road to go in this story yet. The other big story on the front of the Irish Times, quite a shocking figure, more than 12 health service staff a day are subject to physical, verbal or sexual assaults. With nurses bearing the brunt of workplace assaults across the health service, the INMO is now calling, as I'm sure it has been for some time, for a zero-tolerance approach to the problem. A total of 7,307 assaults on staff were logged by the HSE between the start of last year and July 2022. And among healthcare staff, it's mainly nurses, it would seem. They're the single biggest job category in the health service worst affected 4,420 assaults on nurses trying to obviously help people in hospital, people who aren't well and then being attacked. The INMO said one effect of staff shortages was that patients and their families are often left in inappropriate areas of hospitals and then obviously people get upset, they get angry, they get frustrated and who do they take it out on? They take it out on the nurse or the midwife. Main story on the Irish Examiner Immediate action is needed to address the three-year Garda backlog in examining devices for child sex abuse imagery. This is a, according to the Policing Authority, which is claiming that Garda are failing to address the issue and warning that the continuing delay risks having a considerable impact on investigations and victims, uh, which is quite interesting because you would have assumed the whole area of 
cybercrime, given the rise of obviously the internet and usage and all of that, you would imagine that that's been flooded with resources, but that we shouldn't have a three-year delay in trying to address the problem. Uh, so that's the main story there, and obviously they tie into that the fact that the Gardaí have their lovely new uniforms there. We've three Gardaí on the front of the Irish Examiner photographed in their new uniforms. These are Garda Sophie McDowell, Luke Beatty, no relation, and Aaron Heaney at Tala Garda Station wearing their new uniforms that hopefully are a little bit cooler. Hopefully they're not roasting hot in them. We're told that the uniforms provide greater protection, durability and functionality. Haven't seen them yet. Didn't see any Garda yesterday, uh, but looking forward to seeing the new uniforms. Inside the Irish Times, we've more from the Russian ambassador to Ireland who tends to generate a lot of headlines. And the ambassador is calling protesters outside the Russian embassy in Dublin frost people. Uh, which apparently is a Russian phrase used to describe a sort of thug. So Yuri Filatov has done an interview on state news broadcaster Channel 1 and he used a Russian word which when you Google it translates to thugs and the term is frequently used to describe those who do not obey the rules. Uh, obviously a lot of people have been protesting over the past six months at Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the ambassador complained that the embassy is being targeted with paint and that a truck had rammed the gate. Uh, there are Gardaí, by the way, stationed outside, posted outside the embassy since that incident. But the Russian ambassador says, uh, here's a quote, the cops don't pay any attention to how aggressively tuned Irish people are. So if relations between Russia and Ireland weren't bad enough, probably doesn't help that the Russian ambassador uh, says that the war in Ukraine is just an excuse for protesters to stand outside his embassy in Rathgar. Now, interesting one in the Telegraph this morning from PwC, and you'd imagine other companies could follow suit here. Uh, the idea that you need to have a specific qualification to join. PwC has scrapped its 2-1 entry requirement for graduates, and the reason they're doing this is that they feel they're missing out on talented staff who just did badly in exams. So obviously PwC, one of the big four, uh, one of the biggest graduate employers as well, it's going to start recruiting university leavers who graduate with a 2-2 or lower. So if they didn't perform particularly extremely, extremely well in their final exams, there is still a chance to work with PwC because they feel that talent is determined by more than grades and so removing the 2-1 entry requirement will open our roles to a greater pool of talent. I think that's a great idea, to be honest, because there's a lot of people who, I mean, by the way, getting a 2-2, nothing wrong with it, but a lot of people feel the pressure, maybe don't perform as well as they could have, and suddenly then can't get in to a job. And here's one of the big, big, big employers saying, we are going to open it up a little bit, but that you still need a 2-2 now. It's not sort of go in straight after your exams uh, in school or anything like that. And the same with the Telegraph, an interesting one about electric scooters. There's a lot about e-scooters in the papers today, but just looking to a big report from Norway, electric scooter riders are nearly always drunk, we are told, when they're injured in crashes at night. And now there are calls for riders to wear helmets and abstain from alcohol because they've looked at some of the issues involving people who end up in crashes and 
There's certainly substances involved uh, and a study of 3,000 patients involved in bike or e-scooter accidents found that 4 in 10 of all injuries on e-scooters involved intoxicated riders compared with just 1 in 10 for cyclists. You just feel the whole time there's going to be calls for more and more and more regulation when it comes to e-scooters and there's figures in the Irish Times this morning as well about the amount of incidents in this country involving people with e-scooters. So you'd imagine Imagine more regulation. You'd imagine you might have to wear a helmet and an e-scooter and certainly not be drunk scooting going around if you're going to be injuring people. Final story comes from the Star and I know they talk about just how important soccer is for people. A few people are very upset after last night. But anyway, just one in five football fans admit they would ditch their team if their partner issued them with an ultimatum. And this is the danger, you see. If you start issuing your partner with it's them or me ultimatum, you could find out that they choose them. A poll of 2,000 fans found that 19% would abandon their favourite team if their partner threatened to turn off their love. The study found that Southampton fans were the most likely to ditch their beloved Saints if their partner demanded it. 32% of their fans said they would bow down to their other half. Uh, now Southampton I suppose it doesn't take much to leave your support for them given some of those fair results that they've had in the past. One fan for Southampton said he would consider giving up supporting his team for a partner. This is Kevin Sparrow who said it pains me to say as I've been a Saints fan since I was five but I've been single for five years now so I'd pretty much give up anything to find the right person. Just amazing how seriously people take in particular sport but in particular soccer that they're just, it is their beloved team and they would do anything but give up that. So one in five soccer fans would put their lover before the team. More about that in the start this morning. That's our look at the papers. On 106 to 108 FM and Newstalk.com This, this is Newstalk.